Good afternoon, and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So, let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Lorianne Rising. And I'm the other host, Mark Olmstead. Which comes first, the past or the future? Today, we get to talk with someone whose life philosophy combines ancient wisdom, modern science, and totally new thinking that will help all of us live more fulfilling, rewarding, and meaningful lives. Christopher and Kana is an engineer and an MBA with a specialty in neuroleadership. I just love the idea of that word. I was first read that. It's like, okay, neuroleadership. And he's working with the Consortium of Universities for International Studies. He sits on the advisory board for the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership and SpinView, a company doing virtual reality work and has run industrial projects in more than 12 countries, lived in five countries, and taught in the universities in Italy, France, and the UK. His writings include co-authoring the book on psychology safety and a white paper on education with neuroscientist Dan Radecki, two papers in the neuroleadership journey with Professor Al Ringlib and David Rock, and his own book, The Alignment Quotient, How to Powerfully Live a Life You Love. Most importantly, though, of course, He's a dad to a wonderful four-year-old boy and lives with his partner in Northern France. So, welcome, hey, welcome. welcome. Thank you for Thank being you here. Thank you for being here, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. This is, this is, I've just been absolutely so, I, I don't even know the word, grateful, inspired. I've been listening to your recordings and the, just the knowledge that what, you have been doing the work you have been doing is out there for us now and it's not something that we have to keep wanting or wondering where to go to find is just i just i i feel like i'm just breathing this sigh of relief like oh my gosh what incredible it's it's absolutely phenomenal and i'm, I'm so stoked that our audience gets to meet you today yeah absolutely and i'm well, loving you. i I have really been interested for a long time in learning more, uh, you know, that the, the intersection between the ancient wisdom and the modern science. And it seems like you're bringing that together beautifully. So I'm curious, you mentioned the alignment quotient. How, what is that and how does it relate or fit with like IQ and EQ as well? Yeah, so it's, it's meant to be something totally, totally different. And when we think of IQ, we think of intelligence quotient, which is like fluid intelligence, which kind of comes across as how smart you are. And EQ is kind of like how much aware you are of your emotions and the emotions of others in that interaction. But I felt kind of there was just this gap there where we don't really talk about those people that are able to really kind of build their life and choose a direction and then stick to it no matter what. And there's some amazing, in fact, there's a, a lot of people that we look up to the amazing examples, mother Teresa, you know, like if you think of like Gandhi later in his life, if you think of what Nelson Mandela went through so many cases where you're like, wow, there, there's something those people have that's different. That makes them different and special. What is it? And, um, you know, I, I came across the idea of alignment from looking at all of these different things and a lot of research and that over the years. And uh, yeah, so the alignment is just the base is being able to declare who you are. And that's what I call being with purpose uh, and then stick to it in spite of whatever your thoughts, emotions, uh, whatever your situation is, and just keep going forward with integrity. And that, that is, is such hard. a constant <laughs> that, challenge it for is. every, I mean, and, and you can study to figure out what we want to be and who we want to be and how we want to be and all this stuff, and then have this great vision of who, who that is. And then it's like, we look back a year from then and it's like, what happened? You know, mm -hmm. so many of the times and so much of, of our experience is just how to stay on that track. And, well, and, and especially when 
we're making a shift? Because I know it's also something that sort of evolves and shifts and changes as we grow and bump into life. And so part of that is like, okay, well, if I need to shift or course correct here, there's other people in my life who don't really want me to. They, they want what I've always right. been doing to stay the yeah. same. Well, because we've so, trained them, right? I mean, right, we've, we've trained right. our environment to see us in a certain way. We've responded to them in, a, in that way and things go on their married or not so merry way, right? And, so how, how do you integrate all of that into this conversation? Yeah, so, well, if you think about how most people, can we say what things shift and move? A lot of people start with something they were looking to have. So I have to, I want to have this particular career. I want to get to this particular place. I want my company to have this many, you know, this much money per revenue. They're thinking of a have. And then from the have, they're, they're figuring out a do. And then they, they end up being somebody, right? So it's because they, they don't really want, it's, it's not about creating the million dollar company. There's something else they want to gain from that. That's about who they are. Like I want to, I want to be successful or, or maybe they, they want it because they want to make their, they, they want to be the greatest father in the world or they want to be the greatest husband or wife, right? So there's something deeper that's the reason they're, they're pursuing the have, but that's where they start. They start with the have. And that becomes very dangerous. And that's kind of the way we've been taught to live. Start with your goal, right? Which is always a have. And what we're and supposed we to go have. Towards it. Yeah, what we're supposed you're, to You're supposed have. to, right? Yes, yeah. The, to, to be a success, you that, do this. You have that. You, you know, follow this plan, right? Yeah, exactly. 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 But the problem is, and we see this a lot, especially I think the, the pandemic has really shined a light on, on this problem. If you start with the have and then you lose it, you didn't lose the have. You lost who you were. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is horrible. If, if you think, if you believe that being a great father means I got to have a high paying job and that job is gone, then you have not lost the job. You've lost your ability to be great father. Right. And that's so mentally hard. I mean, it's so emotionally difficult. But if you go the other way, and this is where, so I call that the have do be way of living. Mm-hmm. If you go the opposite way and you say, okay, let's start with who I want to be. And then from there, you say, okay, I'm this. What does, what do I do? Now, from this being, what do I do? And then you do whatever there, whatever there is to do. And then you have a result. So the result is that the have is the last, and you start with who you, who you are. So if you want to be as a great dad, well, then you don't have your job, right? Well, what is your kids looking for? Maybe you be a part of the life. You do whatever there is to do with whatever your situation is to be a great dad. So it's a completely flipping it upside down, turning it around. I love that. I love when you talk about flipping the script. I actually, uh, I started, I I had to, of course, start writing a poem or a potential song about this, which, okay, okay, maybe that's my, uh, my, my first uh, intro into this as well is, is what's the value that you place on the power of music to influence this have do be or, or moving beyond and just, just being, is, is there a real connection for you in your process that, uh, that you use music with? Well, so for me, so music is amazing, right? And music, music, when you, at least for me, when I listen to music, I really get in deep and it's like its own space in my world. Uh, and that can influence me or, or not. That's up to me. Mm. But who I am is, is really something different. Uh-huh. And I, I can, of course, use music to, to help me along. I can use lots of things to help me along. Music's uh-huh. one of those things. Um, but, but who I am is really, and at least the way that I express it is it's a declaration. You get to choose. Mm-hmm. And then you get to live into that. And then, and then what gets in your way is your brain and your body, which is the mechanism. Like that's how we exist in this world is through our brain and our body. And so the, how do you, the real question is how do you hone those things so that they're supporting you on that journey instead of hindering you? And some of it you talked about earlier, you know, with your, with your family and friends, when you want to change, they want to hold you back, which is totally true. So you have a brain and a body, but you also have a social environment and we're social animals. So it's retraining all of that. And that, that's part of alignment. And can music help in the journey? Absolutely. 100%. And would you, would you also say, though, that it can also be like one of the major stumbling blocks or, or programming tools that we are, are 
I just, it feels to me like our society, so much of the time, we we are so unconscious about the power of what we listen to over and over and over and and the the, the lyrics we learn and the the moves we dance to and the, 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 you know, these kinds of things. Would you say that? I'm I'm curious if you've studied this enough or or where, I had a couple of questions. Uh, The have, do, be segment of society what percentage would you say if or do you, have you figured it out what percentage of us are living out of that have do be and uh, and maybe what, yeah, so, what influences so that so and one of the things and, and i don't talk about this anywhere but it's it's a kind of this thing that i think is just the way it is have do be is not a it's not a, a one-way line so it's it's not like you live have do be or be do have. It's kind of, it's very circular. The question is where do you put the emphasis? And if you're putting the emphasis on the have, then the the connection is the other way. And the connection then, if you lose the have, you've lost who you are, which is, can be devastating to people. If you're putting the emphasis on being, then as you go through that circle, the being is reinforcing it. So the thing that's amazing about music is music can guide you in lots of different directions, just like the words you say can guide you in lots of different directions. So if, for example, every time you listen to like jazz music or something, you got to smoke a cigarette and have a drink. Well, then when you have if who you're going to be, because you're going to make a bunch of changes in your life. If, if part of that is about health and that smoking and that drinking, you, you know, is not reflective of that, that new declaration of being, well, then the, if the music is then inspiring the body to, to go for those other things that go along with the habit, well, then it's not helpful at all. But if at the same point, the music is helping you get out of depression, right? Or it's helping you get, a, get free space and get your mind back and get you out of an emotional um, difficulty that you're in. Well, then it's very supportive in that sense. And there's, there's just depends on how, depends how you're interacting with it and how that music is impacting you. So I wouldn't say there's no, I wouldn't say there's an inherently good or bad with music wouldn't, or okay. right or wrong. It's just, it's there as a, as a tool. And then the question is, how does that tool impact you and how do you allow it to impact you? So I'm hearing what, just correct me. Uh, I'm hearing that it almost doesn't matter then necessarily what it is you're listening to, but rather the meaning and the feelings that you are internalizing as a result or during the process of listening. Did I hear that? Absolutely. So like for me, I absolutely love. So when I was, uh, when I was in college, I did a lot of swing dancing Mm -hmm. and I absolutely love some swing dancing. So I could be having a bad day and I'm like, look, I can't just, I can't get out of this funk. But for me, if I turn on some swing dance music, man, I just makes me want to dance and it helps me out of that funk. And I can use that as a tool because my body and my brain are already honed to swing dancing music is about dancing and having fun. And so it's like, helps me flip on a switch that gets my body and my mind realigned with my declaration. Okay. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit like, um, your body, body and mind, sometimes it takes a, a direction that's based upon chemicals and based upon just a whole bunch of things, lots of stories. And you can catch yourself and go, wait a second, man, th- this, things are not, this is my, my brain train is not going in the right direction with the right momentum. And then the question is, what can you do to, to change that momentum and put it back on track to the way that you want it to be? And then that's where you can use a music can be something cooking, pretty much anything, right? You okay. can choose anything. Uh-huh. Anything that works for you. Maybe it's a walk in the woods or maybe it's playing with your kids or there's just a million things. Okay. But, exactly. I'm, I'm fine. Understanding yourself. I get, I'm, and I'm finding this really fascinating. I'm totally dominating the conversation. Yes, right you now. are. Really <laughs> That's so, totally so, okay. I so, but I, 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 uh, but I, I'm, because my, my whole philosophy, I, I've really had this idea around music all my life. I mean, I grew up with the whole John Denver you know, connected to the earth, you know, the feelings that I had with that music, I was, I have been putting the emphasis and the effect of that, that programming basically that I was giving myself uh, largely on the content of the music and the message of the songs. But what I'm hearing now is that it's more of how else I was feeling that was associated with that. And I would, would you, would you 
say it almost really doesn't matter. I mean, you could listen to acid rock and still be just completely, you know, or, or, or whatever your whatever kind of kind of thing. If you, if you're, if you're able to interpret negative messages, <laughs> you'll lose. Yeah. To not no, have no, a better... you're, you're on the right, you're on the right train of train of thought. Yeah. So music is amazing, right? Music connects with you in so many different ways mm -hmm. from a rhythm perspective, from, from the words as well, our stories mm -hmm. and, and what those things mean to you are what mm -hmm. make the difference. We're like meaning making machines. We love that. Like we'll make <laughs> meaning out of everything. We'll, we'll make you meaning when there's no meaning there. Mm -hmm. And so what we do the same with music and music assists us in that path. But you can't, like, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you've heard, had a great song that just touched you so, so deeply and you share it with somebody else and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's cool, but like, they just, it just didn't connect with them in the same mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. and, and that's fine. There's nothing, there's nothing bad about that. That's mm -hmm. the way music works, right? Like mm -hmm. I can love completely different music than you and that's okay. And that, those things connect with us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, but that's where the music becomes really useful or, or the opposite. If it's, if it's guiding you in a direction you want to go and it's a useful tool for you, great. And if it's not, then that's maybe you turn away from that and you go the other way or be yeah. aware of it and then use right. it. Some right. people, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like wanting to just be depressed or wanting to just sit in. <laughs> and like there's like, this is the thing. Like like sometimes you have to give yourself permission <laughs> to just be where you are. <laughs> you Abs know? Absolutely. And write absolutely. it to the end. That's yeah, uh, absolutely. And then you listen and then you listen to certain music that just helps you stay there and you just enjoy it. And it's, it's amazing. You, you guys are weird. No, I, I actually figured out years ago <laughs> that if I was in a funk and for what, it, like nothing else was working, if I gave myself permission to just have a full on pity party for three days, it would go three away days? in about six hours. Like for oh some reason, God. just giving myself permission to be right there and totally just like, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm just going to revel in it it would disappear. It would dissipate. It was the resistance yeah. to it that was holding it there. That and totally so, makes sense. That part I can and understand. And what I would say three days would be like, I, it, I was, it was arbitrary. It was arbitrary. I can see how whatever. that fits in. That makes sense. <laughs> and what I would say is that's a, that's a piece of knowledge, you know, about how your brain and body work. That's a tool in your toolbox mm -hmm. and where you have the space and the time and energy use that particular tool and you can go, okay, I got this tool. I know I can use this and I know this will work in this way. And now you have a tool in your toolbox, but that's not you. That's how your brain and body work. And you just learn something about it. So you have it in your toolbox. Dang. Cool I, I love that we're that, having this conversation one. about beingness and in a way being conscious and consciousness. And I'm really curious. I mean, we hear these words, they're kind of out there. We all think we know what they are, but mm. what are they really? I mean, <laughs> yeah, th this, I mean, this could be like, you could do a whole podcast just on consciousness and then still not get anywhere. Okay. So it, okay. I, I, yeah, I know, I know. No, no, it's really, we, it's really we can talk about There's everything else. Next, ne the next chapter. Okay. This is <laughs> chapter, chapter one. Right, we'll, right. Um, this is no, but, but let me, let me, let me give you like kind of like a summary. So what I can tell you for sure is that scientists don't know about what consciousness is. I would say there's at least two camps and potentially three camps that define consciousness. I like to put them in two because just easier, but you know, they'll, they'll differentiate themselves into more different camps, but there's one that I would call materialists. And materialist doesn't believe like they're looking for money. Materialist from a consciousness perspective means that the consciousness is, is confined to the brain, the brain and the body. It's not beyond that. There's no spiritual thing. Everything that is consciousness exists inside the brain and the body. Then you have like kind of non-materialists and they would say that consciousness is not found in, consciousness cannot be found in the brain and the body. And that consciousness is something that acts through the body but is not the body in and of itself. It's, it's part of, it's connected in the body, but it's not the body. It goes beyond, it goes, and we don't understand it. And they're both, the, what I expect to happen is they'll make two definitions. There'll be a materialist definition so that they can prove it, that will confine it to the brain and that's how they'll define it. And the non-materialist will define it so that it can't be confined to the brain and no one will ever know. And they'll both have their own arguments and their own information and we'll never figure this out, right? This is my position <laughs> right now. <laughs> The right. red and the blue states. Yeah. Right. Is, it, okay. is it possible that maybe they're both right? 
I mean, because there to yeah. me, there's a way in which, you know, like we look at all of the different philosophies around the world through history about what is this energy of the planet or growth or God or whatever it is. And they all come at it from slightly different views. And I often think of that, you know, I think it's a East Indian parable of the blind man and the elephant where they're each holding mm -hmm. on to a different piece and describing it. And they all think they're absolutely right. And to one perspective, they are, but to another, they're all missing the bigger picture. <laughs> Basically. It's very possible. Yeah. There's, there's kind of this third school that kind that touches on that at the pan. It's like kind of like something like pan psychism, something. And the way they is like, everything has a little bit of consciousness. Like they would probably be looking for like a consciousness particle. And then the kind of the more complicated the creature gets, the more consciousness they get. So a, a rock has a very little bit of consciousness, very, very little. And a person has a lot more consciousness. And that would kind of maybe cover that middle concept. Uh, but it, I, just, I just don't know. I don't know how anybody's going to ever figure this out. I hope they do one day. But it's so it's going to be such a big challenge. And I don't think we're, they're going to figure it out in our lifetime, though. You know, I could be surprised. That would be great. So you we're not going to figure it out in this particular podcast. Is that what you're saying? Maybe the first I chapter, mean, maybe that... the second or third chapter. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, laying but, the but foundation, what is, right, you know, right. building the house. What, what, I, what I've done with being and the way I've kind of like helped people visualize it is if you could, because, you know, there's a whole Rene Descartes thing and Rene Descartes, people will think, I think, therefore I am that whole kind of Rene Descartes thing. It was brilliant in his argument. And he did this like the 1600s, right? So, so long ago. And his idea was, well, what if, what if there was this demon that wanted to trick me? And in order to trick me, he gave me this body and he put me in this world and he, he does all this stuff and he interacts all this stuff in order to trick me to believe everything is real. And after thinking a lot about it, he came to the conclusion, well, if the demon went through all that trouble to trick me, at least I have to be real. But he didn't know what he was. So he, that's kind of like the start of this. And it created the philosophy of foundationalism. And that's where I think, therefore, I am comes from. But it's that, that kind of story that started. In it. And, and what I started with with being is, okay, like imagine if you strip it all away, right? It's none of it's real, but I'm still that consciousness. Well, I have to exude something. Like there's something coming out of me. There's some ex exusion. I don't know what it is, but it's, I call it in, in the book, I call it kind of like a shade or color or texture or vibration of the consciousness. And I, I, it's just meant to be this visual representation to give you a sense of what being is. And the important thing about it is that it's yours no matter what, like nobody can touch it unless you allow them to. And I thought, well, this is a wonderful place to start. And that, that was kind of reinforced with Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, because mm -hmm. he, was, he was really a prisoner in concentration camps, and mm -hmm. he, was, he was taking care of the, the, the people who were dying because he was a, a doctor. And in the concentration camps, he said, you know, they had this problem because food was life. And so people would break in to the hospital to steal the daily rations from the, the sick and the dying. And we would expect that if things are tough, I mean, there's people get desperate and they do desperate things. But that wasn't what surprised him. What surprised him was there were some people that would come into the hospital to share their food with the sick and the dying. And that for him just made no sense. It didn't fit any, any kind of way of looking at a human being as just this, this vicious animal that just cares about itself. And so he was like, okay, well, this is the people's people being who they are and not allowing the situation to get to them. And that was a situation where food was life. And by doing this act, they could die. And yet they did it anyways. And that really struck me as this amazing example of alignment in, in the most dire of situations and to, to really show that it, it's possible. And this is the thing that really, I think, makes us unique and why alignment quotient is so, I felt, important. And there's, and there's a lot of things. There's, there's a great Italian movie. And I want to say it's, it's Life is Beautiful, but I get it mixed up. And the, the main character, him and his son go to a concentration camp and who, and who he is, if you watch the movie, Love all the way to that the, movie, oh, amazing, movie. such an awesome amazing. movie that is about the best he movie ever made. That, it is. It is. Yeah. And if you don't the cry through. at the end of that movie, oh, man, oh, oh I guess if, we're going to have to watch it because not it's not ringing a beautiful a life. And the guy that wrote it was the actor. And wasn't that the best movie no, of the year? Oh, yeah. I he, think it was Roberto he, Guanini. He directed it, wrote it, acted in it, and 
absolute. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely incredible. Mm. It's one to watch every year. Yeah. I, oh, I guess we're going to have to. Wonderful alignment. example of alignment. Exactly. Perfect. 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 Well, you know, and you know what? And, and we're, uh, we are, uh, we need to take a short break. But before we go, we want to thank you for your reviews that we've been getting. And it's been awesome. So thank you very much for writing them. And if you haven't written one, please keep them coming. They are the guide that we use to continue to create great content and will help fellow listeners to know we're really about and what we're trying to do and the awesome people that we're trying to introduce them to. And it only takes a minute, but it really does make a difference. And right after the break, we're going to hear a song we can all relate to called 24 seven, 365, an original from Mark's one piece at a time CD. So stay tuned for music and more right after this. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book Award-winning kids book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com. Your soul inside 24 
seven day week is all that we got. We better take a little time for a brand new thought. Realizing what we want down deep inside. Right now, we're never gonna find as the years go by a better time to celebrate being alive. 24 7, 365. Live 24 7, 365. 24 7, 365. You're listening to Rise and Shine, and that was one of Mark's originals called 24-7-365. You can download it or the entire One Piece at a Time CD at truesunbeam.com. So we're here with Christopher Ancona, an engineer, a neuroleadership specialist, and an amazing human being that I'm just absolutely... I'm, I'm still just blown away. This is so cool. I'm loving this conversation. Talking about his book, The Alignment Quotient. And, and we were just talking about music, of course, um, but uh, <laughs> and everything else. And, and during the break, you said something that, that uh, was kind of in response to my uh, mission up to this point, making a difference one song and one story at a time. And my whole focus on getting the lyrics right and, you know, struggling over every word that, that I'm putting out in my songs so that I could feel good about singing them and all these things. And, and I'm just thinking, okay, is that really all out the window? And to which you said something along the lines that it was, it was, it still does matter because we are listening subconsciously all the time and and those words are going by all the time and those things do get in and program right i mean it was and then yeah yeah no if you if you hook people up to to a brain thing and you let them listen to music you'll see it changes your brain right you're you're picking it up it's making a difference for sure it's absolutely changing your brain now the question is uh, do you understand how it's changing your brain are you aware of the impact it's having on you and can you then use the music to support you instead of set you back. Right. right. Now, did you get into Emoto's work, Dr. Emoto, and the messages in water when he was freezing those images oh, yeah. of frozen water? Did you, did, you, did you study that stuff yourself? Or, or is that because you did some so interesting stuff? Yeah, so, so, so I did a ton of different stuff, and I've looked a little bit into his stuff, but it's got to be. So the big thing about science has got to be repeatable. Uh-huh. And I haven't seen any other lab around the world be able to repeat that study and get the exact same result. So that's oh, the, the issue with it. So interesting. When, when other labs pick it up and they can reproduce it, then it starts to get really a lot of traction. But yeah, it's never like one study by itself is usually never really taken too seriously when it's so different. You need a oh. lot of different studies that build this body of knowledge. Interesting. So. Okay. So, but now tell us about your, well, your I was going to say, okay. I did read an article recently that they did a similar type of study, but they did it with cheese. Oh my God. And the music right. apparently changed how the cheese tasted or something. Yeah. So, which I thought was fast. Now, I don't know if they've repeated that around the world or not, but I found that sort of interesting. <laughs> well, well, here's, here's a funny little interesting fact. If you go to, to Champagne, in France and you mm-hmm. want to get real champagne and you take tours, some of the big, um, some of the big champagneries, they actually play monks singing down, down in the, in the cellars as it's aging, because they believe it impacts the flavor of the, of the champagne. Okay. Okay. But, oh, that, cool. that's, but that's, think about it. Think about it. Right. This doesn't have vibration. to be woo-woo, right? yeah. vibration. Exactly. And, and those yeah. vibrations, they, uh, they do something. And I mean, if you, if you really think about it, all, all of matter is just vibrations. Exactly. You get down to quantum physics, it's all just vibrations. Now, the question is, what do those vibrations do? And mm-hmm. that's a different thing that we study. And right. And science is very empirical. So they're looking at the material stuff and they got to figure it out. And yeah. So, well, so, but people, you're thing, right. People don't know a lot. There's a ton of stuff we don't know. Well, this is all. And there, but there's, I think there's a lot of things that we do know that we aren't actually talking about. You know, what, what, uh, what Rife did, for instance, back in the 30s. 
all the, the whole story is on uh, rifevideos.com. You can go there and, and look at the whole two-hour story. But 17 terminal cancer patients got up and walked out cancer-free after four months with this treatment hmm. of just radiofrequency therapy. So it's like the frequencies very much matter. And there's a whole lot that we have been, that have been found out that I'm looking forward to getting the word out about and informing people. And, you know, there's some awesome, cool videos on YouTube and stuff about, about all this, but here we go. Another tangent. Anyway, so, so I wanted to hear more about your, your, uh, your story and how you got into we're doing what you're what you're doing and uh, and, oh, and okay oh no but before that the first thing i wanted to, to to underline was what i heard in your video about the difference between and how we use nouns versus adjectives in relating to ourselves oh uh, yeah i'm just it's yeah. fascinating so, so it's it, it's part it's part of the declaration just because there's it's a, it's a little mental thing if, if who I describe myself as is peace, for example, or mm-hmm. love or whatever, let's say love, right? And I define love as being a stand for the life of another and their mm-hmm. experience of peace, love, and joy, right? So that's how I define it in, in the book. Um, so if, if who I declare myself as is love, and then I just like chewed somebody out, right? And, and, but it, but I, instead of declaring myself as a, as a noun, I declare it as an adjective. I, I'm a loving person, right? Well, then I just now have evidence for my brain that I'm not loving. So then the only thing I can do is tell myself, well, uh, that is wrong. I'm not. And then that causes me to want to give up because I just proved to myself that I, I'm not loving and I don't want to, no, who wants to sit there and go, well, you know, like I'm a, I'm a total hypocrite. So you just say, well, you know what? I'm not that. I, I just give up. But if I declare it as a noun, I am love, then it's only ever existing in the present. What just happened in the past? Yeah. So I wasn't loving just two seconds ago, but right now I have a choice. I'm in the present. If I am loved, then right now I can go forward. And what we can do is we can understand that most of the time we're walking around kind of like non-consciously. Our brain's on autopilot. I mean, that's just the way our brain works. Most of the things that we do there, our brain actually isn't meant to bring in all the information from the world as it actually is. It brings it in in a way that's useful. And so we run on autopilot. So if we understand that, and then we, are, we define who we're going to be as a noun, then it's like, yeah, I, I wasn't loving, but right now I can be loved. Right now, I can go apologize. I can go clean up my mess. I can go do whatever right now. And that, the way of creating the, your declaration so it's a noun and it's always in the present is a way to kind of get over the, the, the habit of making it a description of us, which then we can prove ourselves wrong. Well, it's, and it's like you said, past-based so versus, versus future-based. It is. When, when you use your past to dictate your future... When you're using that, when you're using that adjective, it's, you're saying, okay, who I was just five minutes ago was a jerk. So then you live into being a jerk, right? Because the past now you allowed the past to dictate your future and you don't have to do that. So the, just, it's just a little mental trick, right? That just gets us around that by saying it's a noun. It's just, and it just allows that little brain mechanism not to set us it's, back. Because it's dangerous yeah, yeah. to steer that car from the rear view mirror by, by looking out the rear view mirror. It's like, <laughs> you just, you know, you can kind of gauge where that road might be going, but you know, it's just, it's way better yeah. to look out the windshield. And you know, that's one of the misconceptions that we learn just and it's there's it's nobody's fault but the way we teach in school because it's just easier to tell stories mm-hmm. so we we tell stories about history and we show how things all string together and part of our our experience of life and, and our science is actually meant to string things together from the past so for example like position of the moon well if I want to know where the moon's going to be tomorrow, well, there's some calculations I can do mathematically to do it. And the calculations come from information in the past, but we're not a moon. We're not going around the earth. We're not a rock. We're not a tree. We're conscious beings. And we have this amazing ability to declare what we're going to do and then live into it. And in fact, a lot of our lives, we live that way, right? You guys are going to have dinner where you're going to have dinner. Cause you're going to say, well, maybe tonight we're going to go and we're going to have, I don't know, this or that, we're going to go to this restaurant or we're going to have this, we're going to cook this for dinner. And then you live into that reality that you created right now into the future. So for us, we have this amazing ability to declare our futures and live into it. And a lot of times that in that future does not have to be fully connected to the past. Right. So I can't, of course, there's, there's a, I can't go and buy a a $10 million house. If I don't have $10 million, I haven't earned $10 million already. 
right? There's some rules that still you have to have some foundation. But when it comes to who we are, it's really a declaration. And what we did in the past does not dictate what we can be right now or right now or right now or into the future. And so I want to make that, that clear that if you follow that track of time that you're taught, like you are a history lesson, which you're not, then you lose this ability to go in the future. There's some amazing science behind this too. Um, there, there's a, so there's a thing called growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And the, the science is phenomenal on this. People who have this growth mindset and believe that they can change and grow forward in the future, they've, they have amazing outcomes, like totally different lives. Like different parts and, of the brain develop, right? I mean, you're, you're really getting into some interesting stuff about, about your work with, you've actually had hands-on research in labs, hooked up to, to patients. And can you, can you say a little bit of about that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I <wanna> sure. <laughs> so, um, so I spent five years. It's, it's actually an amazing program uh, it, through Chimba in the University of Iowa. It's uh-huh. a study abroad program in Italy. Uh-huh. And the people there are amazing. They, they've looked at some different ways of helping train leadership and, and helping to train leaders. And they wanted to say, okay, well, what can we use from physiological things, physiological reactions that people are having to situations that can help us coach them? and help them get beyond some of their own barriers. And so we've, we've hooked people up to EEGs and we've hooked people up to heart rate monitors, measuring different parts, the way the different, the heart works in some different ways, HRV, which is a whole conversation. We've put skin conductance devices on them to measure micro changes in their, in the, the sweat that's coming out of their pores as a way to understand what's triggering people so that we can, we can work with them in coaching to get them over things. So for example, you know, there's people who choose career paths, young people that are choosing career paths that go in one direction because of, for example, afraid of public, a fear of public speaking or a, a fear of being wrong. And when they understand this is what it is, they go, you know, I would have per- much preferred to, be, to take a different career path, but this one fear caused me to go in this whole direction in my life. Yeah. And now I understand I can overcome it. I understand what's causing it. I understand how my brain's working, what's telling me. I can, I can see that there's a path. So now I want to change career paths. I want to change total directions. And so we, we've used that. We've done some amazing stuff to help students understand from their bio, biology, from the mm-hmm. way their brain and their body is working to support them to make the changes they want, they want to make. And there's all and, this technology uh, yeah, available now that you're, you're describing. So I'm, I'm just soaked. You're, you're talking about, we're, just as a, a word now, we, we've already approved this uh, with Chris that uh, this is chapter one. We are, we <laughs> are going to continue this conversation. So uh, I'm so stoked to learn more about like the ring you're wearing and the technology that's available now that can help help these uh, help us learn more about ourselves and and you're you're describing in your course about uh, mindfulness practices and how important that that see and I'm noticing this is a conversation is. that is so uh, deep it's and so wide. wonderful absolutely you couldn't have come to it by accident or without mm. exploring you know for however many years and so I'm really curious how did you come to this work? What brought you to it and, and inspired it and has, has really kept you engaged in it? Yeah. So the, it's, it's been a very long journey to get to the book and it, it, it started with um, a bad relationship with my father, which is not better <laughs> later on, even, even with a lot of effort for myself. Uh, and it, after my parents were divorced, I, I'd actually kind of run away and thankfully, I live with my, my grandparents. And, and my father was, I, I was a different kid. I wanted to be a priest. I mean, what kid, what six-year-old kid wants to be a priest? Not very many, right? We're a very rare breed. Most kids want to be, you know, firefighters or race car drivers or any of that kind of stuff. Not me, mm-hmm. priest. And so uh, my father is a, is a electrician. And that's, those are very different things, priesthood and being an electrician. And my father never really connected with that part of me. So I got kind of beat on a lot from that. And when I left, I decided that I was going to prove my dad wrong. And so I'd spent my teen years uh, basically doing everything my dad told me I couldn't do. I, I changed. I was in robotics. I, I won robotics nationals as a teenager at university level. Um, I took up sports. I started playing football and I did everything, every sport that I could do to prove my dad that I could be strong. And um, yeah, it, it, when, I, when I finally graduated, I went to University of Michigan, got my engineering degree. And even at that point, you know, after my dad had, and I had re-met, 
when I got accepted, and I'll never forget, he said, that's a school for smart people. How did you get in? Mm. So that was my, wow. that kind of like my relationship <laughs> with my dad. And it was right? consistent at least. You got to give him that. He's very consistent. He's very consistent, right? Yeah. So I think he does, still doesn't think very highly of me these days. It's just, it, we, we just never had a great relationship. Wow. And when I finally graduated, I went to Italy for my first, my very first job sent me to Italy right off the bat. It was a very lucky thing um, that, I, that I ended there. And when I got to Italy, everybody was very different there. And I come to the realization that I'd live my life to that point by going against my dad. So everything that I'd done, how I'd live my life was fighting against something. And I was like, okay, well, if I want to do something different, what, how would I go about that? And, and there was nothing. And, uh, and I, I ran into a guy that we had, we're having philosophical discussions with, and I had my best friend, we, I had lots of philosophical discussions. And then slowly over time with conversations with friends and, and really smart people, people who are smarter than me, I started coming to some different realizations and that's where this concept of being like, where do you really start? The concept of being was born. And I'd spent probably, well, from 2002 until 2010, um, practicing just with the being stuff. And I had this amazing experience with my boss where I declared myself as passion, inspiration, and excellence. And when I'd left the company, I'd worked in China at that point, And I was just finishing up an assignment in China. And my boss had written me this, this note that basically I never met somebody so full of passion, so willing to do everything, so, so be, get everything so well done and able to inspire so many. And I was like, wow, passion, inspiration, excellence. Perfect. Wow. And that's all he wrote. He didn't write anything else. <laughs> nice. and he didn't know. I didn't tell anybody. And I didn't, you didn't tell pay him off or anything. <laughs> I didn't pay. Any, I know it was shocking. I kept, I kept the email because it, it shocked me. And then I went to university to get my master's degree. And that's when I came across Al Ringleb and Chimba and got into the biometric. And then I realized, wow, there's this scientific background. And that started in 2010. And then I'd spent all this time with the, the neural leadership part learning. And um, then in 2018, my grandma who raised me, uh, she ended up with terminal cancer. And, uh, and so I went back to take care of her and I'd realized I had to, to, I had to write this book for her. She'd, she'd always wanted me to like kind of help make a difference in the world that, you know, being the priest thing. And, and I said, you know, I, I need to write this book. It's about time. And so I, I, I was with her 24 hours a day and I was on night shift. My sister was on day and I'd sleep during the day and my sister would do the day and then I do night. And when she would sleep at night, I started writing the book and mm -hmm. then I'd uh, kept doing it until it, and she, she passed away after three months and I gotten, um, I gotten a good chunk on the book and I just decided to, to get it finished for her. Because so, my grandma sacrificed a lot to like get Absolutely. me away from my dad and give me a different, oh. different yeah. freeway for life absolutely wow. oh what a story my goodness that's that's that's, that's well and, and what a phenomenal uh you know <laughs> removal of the oh can't play the uh the, the poor me kid card you know dad hated me all my life so i you know that's why i'm not a, not a success i mean you, you're pretty much pretty much taking that one out of anybody else's deck now that's just Choosing you know it's it's, be, it's a matter of yeah. who you choose to be not your circumstances choosing, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. it's that it's the demonstration of that future yeah. following the future. And uh, even if, yeah, even if your future was inspired out of, I'm not, uh, I'm going to prove him wrong. That's, that's really essentially all you needed really then is, is just having that that is a, is a picture. But yeah, now, your, your now, foundation is absolutely beautiful and inspiring and incredible. And you're doing so much work. I know you have a course. I know you are sharing more on YouTube and we're getting close to the end of our time. So I want to make sure listeners know how to follow up with you, find you and dig into this for themselves as well. So where, well, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So I have a website, thealignmentquotient.com. And, uh, and I have a YouTube channel. If you search the alignment quotient, you find me there and I'm, I'm putting some, uh, some videos up there to kind of like help people go further and help people understand the concepts and, and all of that. So yeah, that's, that's we're going to, we're going to have a, show. a link. Exactly. We're going to have a link yes. to all of this, uh, all of your material here and, Absolutely. and, and opportunities for people to, to take your course and we'll be promoting this as well. And, and, and looking forward to the next to the next uh, installments, where then we'll talk about our, uh, we'll get in your your story about the World War II pilot. Okay, <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, is, open the, we'll open the next chapter. That is worth getting that. the book for, I have to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That is worth uh, so, so, well, 
Thank Chris, you so much for being with us. Really, really enjoyed it. What so a much. gift. What a gift yes, of your been, work. Been wonderful. And thank you. Yes, very much. We will, uh, we will look forward to next chapter and go from there. Now it's time for our wow moment with Laurieann when she offers words of wisdom, sharing her intuitive and spiritual mentorship with us by responding to listener comments and questions. I love this conversation around alignment and consciousness, and we just barely scratched the surface. But one of the things that really comes to mind for me is how it applies to leading by example. And I don't just mean leading at like, you know, a corporation type of scenario. I mean, in every aspect of our lives. When we're parents, we lead by example, right? I mean, we all know, like it or not, our kids are far more likely to follow our example than our words. So if we really want them to learn certain lessons, they need to see us living that. And of course, talking through some of it when we make mistakes, right? I mean, that's just life. In an ideal world, we are all always leading by example. And we got to make allowances for being human too, but to strive for it means everything. Those who do become so naturally more magnetic and attractive to other people, opportunities, and all kinds of things. People want to be around them because they're genuine, authentic, and you naturally trust them because they do things like follow through. And that's important. I know that it can be work, but I also know that it is incredibly valuable to do in a community or with a mentor of some kind. And because Mark and I are both striving to lead by example in our own lives and our own work, we're going to be taking Chris's course right along with him. Oh man, I am excited about this. We'll talk about it more in future episodes. But if you'd like to join us, there is already a link available. And full disclosure, it is an affiliate link, but we're in this with you. And we've gotten you a discount of 25% because we had him on the show. He is just amazing and generous and wants to make a difference in your life. So I hope you'll join us, lead by example, and see what's possible. And until next time, my friends, keep rising. Thank you, Lorianne, for sharing your wow with us. If you have a question, comment, or concern you'd like to hear addressed on a future WOW moment, or you'd like to learn more about Lorianne's mentorship program, visit her website at lorianrising.com. That's L-O-R-I-A-N-N-E-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. Thank you. And to our listeners, remember that Mark and I are on a mission to help make the world a better place and to uplift voices that are not typically heard. So if you or someone you know is an author, a musician, innovator, or even a comedian whose perspective and message challenges old paradigms to open hearts and minds, please reach out. We want to support you by helping you be seen and heard by a worldwide audience. Just visit us at riseandshineasone.com to apply to be a guest. And before you go, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your favorite platform. And remember, until next time, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise and shine. Take care. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. Sound of the joy, sound of the love, sound of the light. Sound of the joy, sound.